Hey, welcome to Conversations today. My name is Ben Dixon, and I want to say thank you for tuning in. Before we jump into our very important conversation today, I do want to remind you of where you can listen to and also watch this podcast. I know it's been about eight or nine months since we actually had a podcast on this platform, so I do need to remind you, you can go to YouTube and it's Pastor Ben Dixon. There is a playlist called Conversations, and that's where you can listen to all of the conversations that we have had and the ones we are having. And also, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all other places where you can listen to and download these. It's Conversations with Ben, Dix ben Dixon. So please do download, subscribe, like, share, all that kind of stuff. And if you forget everything I said, just go to bendixon.org. Not com, that's another guy. Okay, he's probably a good guy, but it's not me. It's bendixon.org. Excited today about what we're going to discuss. Um, I do want to explain a couple things because it has been so long, there's a, a bunch that has changed. And the first thing that's changed is I am now going to have one of my best friends in the world, Pastor John Hammer, who's going to join us for at least once a month on this podcast. I'll try to get him on more, but it really does depend on his schedule. And secondly, not, not on yours, just <laughs> <laughs> but um, if I can drag him on more than once a month, I'm definitely going to. So that's the first change is that I, I've asked John because we we're not only are we good friends, but we have we're like minded on so many things, and I learn from him, and and uh, and I'm assuming he likes some of the things I have to say. But we we do have it's a good. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> we do have good conversations. And what it does is it helps us to be just talk authentically. We're not going to prep heavily for this. We're not this isn't going to be a high content um, pre-planned, prepared kind of podcast. I just want to talk about things that interest us theologically, culturally, practically, spiritually. Th those are the things that we want to focus on. And it'll just make us it'll make it easier to have that actual conversation where we can go back and forth and things can come up that we weren't even thinking about before the podcast, and we we are definitely, it's, it's coming to our hearts and our minds in the midst of it. I will have some studio guests. I will do some solo podcasts as well. You're always welcome to throw out some things to me. You can respond back to me through the website and say, hey, I'd like you to talk about this or whatever. We're always interested to hear what you have to say. But that all leads me to what we're discussing today. And there's really two things. I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm going to call this podcast, but it really is about all things charismatic and Pentecostal. John and I are both charismatic Pentecostals. We, we have some nuances on how we define and describe that. But I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time about the things that I do not love, like, or agree with in the Pentecostal charismatic church, and then the things that I hold dear, the things that are important, valuable, what does actually make me Pentecostal and charismatic. And John and I talk about this stuff all the time. So for some of you that are listening or watching, you might tune out and be like, oh man, this isn't one for me. It is one for you, okay? It is one for you. We're, we're going to talk about things that are really important. Probably you've been uncomfortable with stuff. You want to know what we have to say about that. And what is the, what is the value of, of being a part of this camp? Or if you're not part of this camp, why do we value it? And, and why is it important? So as we kind of jump into all of that, John, I want you to, uh, to tell me Yes. And and the rest of the entire known world yes. that's tuning in today, 
what, how do you identify as a believer in the body of Christ in terms of like the camp, the theological camp that yeah. you're a part of, Pentecostal Charismatic? How do you describe that to people when they say, hey, what church are you from? And what does that mean? Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. How do you, what do you say? Well, my dad, my daddy always taught me um, to say that I'm a part of the biggest church in the world. I'm a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And everyone mm-hmm. that loves and believes on the Lord Jesus, according to the scriptures, is in the same church as I am. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, that we should have a heart not a, so big of a heart that we identify people that don't believe in Jesus as our brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, but big in the sense that um, we that there we realize there's a lot of tribes, groups, denominations, but that if we hold the essentials together, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the essentials, of course, would be the authority of Scripture uh, because they proclaim who Christ is. They proclaim the triune God to us. They proclaim um, some of these you know, truths that have been uh, upheld by any Christian denomination throughout it's the church's inception in the first century. And we've, you know, those, those doctrines, we hold those things. Some of us might practice spiritual gifts differently, like have a different, like we're going to talk about today, different emphasis on, um, Pentecostalism, charismata and all that. Um, maybe a different view on how to structure a church, govern a church. Anyways, those are, those things we can discuss through the ages as having some difference and uniqueness. But if we hold the same essential doctrines about the way of salvation, the, the, the identity doctrine of who God is, then we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I definitely, I mean, I am a Pentecostal. I'm happily identify as a Pentecostal. I mean, that's not how I would like build my main identity. I'm, a, I'm I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. He's my Lord. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm hopefully a Christian. I'm hopefully like a little Christ. I'm growing as one. My wife would tell you that I've got a ways to go and she would, <laughs> but she loves me. Um, uh, so, um, but I, you know, Pentecostal movement was was born um, in some ways, as far as we as we would call or describe modern Pentecostalism in 1906, the Azusa Street outpouring um, with William Seymour, and there was some movement uh, before that, and of course, a lot of things in church history that built up to that moment. Moments don't just happen out of nowhere in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of us Pentecostals think that Christianity was reborn in 1906, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, there really was a significant outpouring of the Spirit that's touched the whole world. Even Rick Warren, the not so uh, you know recently he's he's no longer a Southern Baptist, but was a Southern Baptist for a long time, said that if there was one movement you know in the last century or so, or even through church history that we could really call a movement, it would be the Pentecostal movement because. Um, what are their, they estimate almost around half a billion Mm -hmm. um, Pentecostals and Charismatics globally. And so the Pentecostalism movement was born out of this revival in the Azusa Street Mission and uh, in in the uh, Southern California area. And then, of course, it touched the whole globe. There was actually a huge revival that happened in 1904 in Wales uh, that was kind of a part of that, and then there was revival movements happening where people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and tongues was not completely absent from the planet before this happened. There's a lot of pockets in church history, but it wasn't widespread amongst believers to mm-hmm. use this gift of tongues, and with that outpouring came a real thrust of global missions and evangelism, uh, and how we really need to prepare the world for the return of the Lord and preach the gospel to all nations. So Pentecostalism was not only about tongues. That was the most maybe, you know, 
demonstrative part because it had not been widespread in its use in the church, uh, especially in the Protestant church. Um, and But there were other features of it, like repentance from sin, uh, proclamation of Jesus, many mm-hmm. people g- becoming born again, co- finding spiritual gifts. There was a restoration of prophecy. Uh, there were a lot of physical manifestations that accompanied the outpouring of the Spirit where people were shaking and falling and crying and laughing and rolling on the floor and Pentecostals were called holy rollers, you know, as a as a kind of a derogatory name by the culture. Um, there was a lot of um, healing amongst racial segregation at, that initially, but then um, back in that time, it was controversial to integrate the races, where now it'd be controversial and rightfully so to segregate and judge each other based on each other's skin's color and be racist and, you know, bigoted mm-hmm. and all that. But back then it was more, it was in vogue culturally to be separate. So when reports of blacks and whites and different ethnicities coming together in these church meetings and praying for each other and laying hands on each other, it looked wild and crazy. And they were talking about how, you know, these different people were mixing and touching each other and the the media kind of threw shade on it. And I think, unfortunately, people didn't endure some of the shame from the culture to actually restore something, which could have been like, I think Pentecostals in some ways are on the forefront of racial reconciliation, if you want to call it that. But in some ways we, we diverted from that and it's kind of Mm -hmm. heartbreaking in some part of our history and shameful even, you know, that we, that we didn't stick it out anyway. So there was a lot of features of the Pentecostal movement. And then I think it was actually was the sixties or seventies when the charismatic movement actually started right in our area in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, Father Dennis Bennett, um, received the gift of tongues and received what he would consider, I guess, a baptism or a refilling, a filling of the Holy Spirit. And all people from all over the world, and he was re- leading an Episcopal church, uh, St. Luke's Episcopal. And then, so Episcopalians, Catholics, Ang- uh, Anglicans, um, Lutherans, all these mainline or high church people started coming from all over the world to St. Luke's to get prayer. And then they started... Um, speaking in tongues and they started a release of spiritual gifts. And I mean, you can go to charismatic services at your local Catholic parish and you might meet some of the most wild spirit filled Christians. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I'm just saying like, if you've ever met charismatic Catholics, like these people are more sometimes Pentecostal than most Pentecostals now, like they love the gifts of the Holy spirit and they have such a zeal. And so really in both the Pentecostal movement and charismatic movement, what they share in common is just this outpouring of the spirit that really just like has invigorated the lives of Christians across Mm -hmm. denominations to where in a lot of senses now it's like you might meet a Catholic or a Baptist that believes in tongues and prophecy or practices them more as a regular part of their like Mm -hmm. spirituality daily. Then you meet somebody that comes from my denomination or my, our fellowship that we belong to that's that's historically Pentecostal. So it's like names and labels don't seem to mean as much. Now you have to kind of investigate the person's theology and practice a lot mm-hmm. more uh, when you meet a Christian or another pastor, which I think is a wonderful part of the outpouring of the Spirit, is that he's just breaking out of all of our boxes and our little, you know, tribes and bubbles and uh, moving in such a powerful and beautiful way. Of course, there's excesses and abuses too, that oh, there are. Stay away from. So anyway, that's a long answer to a short question. Well, I like I like to but, talk yeah. when I whenever I explain, mm-hmm. you know, especially 
because we do membership classes here, whenever I explain Pentecostalism or that we're a Pentecostal mm-hmm. church, I like to use the term distinction. Yeah. Um, it's more of a description, because like you said, people could be Baptist, community church. It's mm-hmm. not just a brand, it's more of a distinction that many people carry cross-denominational. And I love that. And it's, it's, it's based in its roots and its history, is that people could be charismatic starting in the mm-hmm. 60s, people could be Pentecostal without it having to be their denomination. It, it really, yeah. when we're talking about Pentecostal and charismatic, mm-hmm. a lot of what we mean or at least what I think, is that we're talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, that's mm-hmm. a subsequent experience, speaking in tongues um, as either the evidence or a primary evidence, people differ on that, um, but yeah. the restoration of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and um, power signs and wonders that follow the proclamation of the gospel, so there's a demonstration with the proclamation that we would believe in that, advocate for that, believe for that. Um, Pray for Absolutely. that. So, so when I think of the Pentecost, somebody that says I am Pentecostal, I'm I'm thinking in term these terms. That's that's really what I mean. I when I would, whenever I used to travel and I'd preach, like in the South, you didn't use the word Pentecostal because it meant something entirely different culturally. So I'd use the word charismatic, or I'd just say, uh-huh. well, I believe in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, I believe in all the power of the Holy Spirit. And then people would say, cool. You know, I'd be at a Southern Baptist church and they'd say, yeah. cool. And so yeah. it never it the it was a distinction to me, mm-hmm. and uh, rather than a sort of a brand that that you you were yes. in or out, right? Is R- your denomination right. or in or you know well, out? So I think I remember Randy Clark saying something like when he received the Spirit and talked to his his mom or his grandma about prophecy, and she's saying that that's not for today. And then he would describe actually what was happening, and she'd say something like, "Oh, you mean a quickening? Well, I get a quickening." <laughs> the Lord quickens me and speaks to me, but she wouldn't call it prophecy or a word of knowledge, you know, but it was more like a quickening. I could be forgetting these precise word, but it was just kind of funny. Like, yeah, sometimes our labels or our different denominational or even like maybe areas we grow up in the country, like our language changes a little bit, but we're expressing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think of it in distinction. I like I like to use that term to help people because at our church, we have so many folks that are like, they come from... Baptist, community, Catholic, Lutheran, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say many times, this is the first Pentecostal church I've come to. So I mm-hmm. like to kind of explain what that means. Like, hey, you're not switching brands, you know, from like Nike to Adidas, you know, God help right. us that you, you, that you would do that. Mm-hmm. But we're just talking more about like what what we what that means to us we want the fruit of it more than we want the label it's not about some identity that we're we're believers we're disciples of Jesus we 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 hold to the creeds so part of what is, so we kind of have this basic understanding for those that are listening but i i want to just jump in before we talk about the beauty and the importance and um what we hold dear to why why I would even say my distinction is Pentecostal and charismatic. Why would I do that? Before we get to that, I would just want to talk about maybe some things that we see that are excess in the charismatic movement or disagreements or perhaps concerns. And the reason why I want to do that is because when you're a Pentecostal or a charismatic and there are accusations that are lodged or there are critiques that are given or potentially even discernment that's offered and it's coming from another camp that doesn't believe the things that we do, that's obviously low-hanging fruit for them. Because if you don't believe what I believe, you can try to demonize it or you can build a strategy to kind of tear it down 
and and try to get other people persuaded to believe the opposite. But let's let's just say that as Pentecostal charismatics, there are things that we're concerned about too, and we want to judge our own camp. We want to say, call things out. Hey, I don't agree yeah. with this. Hey, I am concerned about that. Hey, we do need to have discernment in these areas. But it's not always throw the baby out with the bathwater, and that's why I think it actually is better for you and I to talk about those things than allow someone who isn't a continuationist or doesn't believe what we believe to go ahead and do those, uh, to give those concerns. I think that they're going to have a more jaded perspective. So in the vein of that, Brother John, what I'm wondering is just off the top of your... I mean, I wrote down a couple things just in about five minutes, right. but I'm just curious, like, some of the things that come to your mind is... We, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. What, what, do you, what do you see, like, in the last 10 years, or maybe the things that rise to the top that concern well, you, or you feel like you're having discernment about that needs to yeah. change, adjust, or grow, or whatever? Well, I have a basic book concept I've written a very little bit on that I hope to complete in the not-so-distant future called Pentecostal, Have We Lost the Gospel? So... Um, if and it rhymes, I, so that's <laughs> yeah, it rhymes. So you know, I'll buy it's the it. Lord. Uh, yeah. um, no, uh, but I, I mean, that would be like if I had num- if I could only name one, that would be my top. Is that mm. we have we've gotten messy on our doctrine of the gospel and of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and I think that most charismatic excess doesn't come primarily from wrong experience, but comes from wrong teaching, wrong experiences that could be the flesh, things we make up or overemphasize by our own like emotional willpower, or even where like demonic things or false teachings could come in to deceive the church. I don't think they come primarily from, you know, two people laughed or cried too much, or they shook on the floor that that was the, that, I mean, an overemphasis on manifestation specifically could lead us to error, but I think primarily it comes from our teaching is not mm-hmm. grounded and centered in the clarity of who Jesus is, how the scriptures preach Christ, how the scriptures teach us the gospel, and we give people the meat and potatoes of the word. And I think, um, you know, I, I have read a little bit more. I mean, I'm, in a, I'm on a, it'll be a probably a lifelong journey of reading more of church history and more of even like the early church fathers. But I think we just repeat a lot of the same false teachings that came through the church. And I mm. think the Pentecostal movement is most susceptible, charismatic movement, prophetic movement, revival movement, whatever you want to call all these like movements, even within like the spirit-filled world in the church. Um, I think we're most susceptible to a form of Gnosticism where we get into this idea of we have secret hidden knowledge that other people mm-hmm. don't have. Mm-hmm. So people really are drawn to like special novel teachings and people will say it in a complimentary way, like when somebody teaches a certain thing in a church or on YouTube or podcasts or whatever, they'll be like, I've never heard that before. And I mean, that's powerful if you've never heard something uh, that's from the scriptures and it's new to you. It should be exciting, probably. Yeah, um, true, of course, amen. Yeah. Uh, amen. But sometimes when people say that, it's actually not good uh, mm-hmm. because we've had 2000 years of the church. You found something in the Bible that nobody else has ever heard or taught before. Um, that could be alarming. Um, you could be starting a cult group. Um, so, uh, so I think that, 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 that was what the new Testament church, the apostles were writing against a lot in the scriptures was against Gnosticism. Paul deals with it. John deals with it. Um, Even the writers of like Luke, when he's writing uh, the accounts um, 
of the of Christ in the early church, some of the phrases he puts in there, unless you knew the background of Gnosticism that they were dealing with this false teaching that was running rampant, you'd realize like, why did Luke say things like, hey, we after Jesus rose from the dead, like we ate with him. You know, he appointed witnesses and we ate with him. Um, well, because he's saying that he, Jesus had a physical body. And one of the Gnostics' teachings was that Jesus was just a spirit and he didn't have a physical body. And Gnosticism manifested in different ways. We don't need to go into all those rabbit trails of what that is. But what I'm trying to say is it was a regular thing they were trying to confront. And one of, one of the aspects, so I think Pentecostals are susceptible to semi-Gnosticism, maybe not the full-blown package, right? Is this idea that there's special secret anointed teachers that have special teachings. And if you go under their anointing or their teaching, your eyes will be open and you'll get more delivered. You'll have more revelation. It'll be easier for you to go to heaven um, and visit with the saints who died or have, you know, talk to angels. Um, And if you have this, you know, secret sauce that only I've been shown because I have this special interpretation. If you come into my e-course or my mentorship or you have these master private class. appointments with me, my master class, yeah. I'll show you how to unlock yeah. the secrets of spirit travel into heaven and have the out-of-body experience that Paul had in Second Corinthians, is it 10? Uh, you know, like, um, it, it, and so anyway, I'm like, that's kind of dangerous to me that we start trying to not teach the main things that Jesus and the apostles taught, but we start teaching these, like, I believe that people can have out-of-body experiences. It's in the Bible. I believe that people can meet with angels. It's in the Bible. Even we're told that we could be entertaining angels at times by practicing hospitality. Um, you know, like these are biblical concepts, but the Bible doesn't really spend any time teaching us how to visit angels, how to go to heaven, how to, you know, even, even you know, I want to be careful what I say. Because I believe we can teach on some of these things to a point, um, but I think we can get an overemphasis of trying to teach for experiences rather than just teach the meat and potatoes of the Word of God. Teach the Scriptures. What did they? What did they teach on? The, who Christ is, the way of salvation, how our mind is renewed, how we live in Christian community, how we build better homes, better marriages that would reflect. Christ to our culture and to the next generation, the children that we're raising, how to make disciples, mm-hmm. how to pray, how to be a, a you know, a, a spiritually mature person that grows up into, into the maturity of Christ. I think if we, and then part of that is that, yes, we do experience the power of God, but we don't have to try to emphasize how that always operates as much. I want to, I, I want to try to be clear. I don't know if I'm being clear. Um, but anyway, I, I think that we can experience the power of God through our fellowship with him in prayer and a and a relationship with Jesus and and through the through the reading of the scriptures in our lives and as we sit at his feet he does supernatural things in answer to prayer I, I, the more simple i'm making my life about Jesus and about communing with him daily in prayer and reading the scriptures i'm having more supernatural things happen uh, around my life and other people are being impacted in a much deeper way. And I'm not focusing on how to get them to have a deeper, you know, encounter with God's power. I'm focusing on just being closer to Jesus and hopefully becoming more like him and seeing his power exude. So I, anyway, that to me is like, I think our teaching has to be cleaned up and we have to, to turn away from things that become false doctrines or maybe, an overemphasis that creates an imbalanced life. 
and creates spiritually immature people that only seek experiences and don't seek to know the God of these experiences. Um, anyway. Well, a, pra- a practical example yeah. of this, so I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Um, I think that... I'll, I'll go a little further. Yeah. You, know, you were clear, but I'm, I'm saying that I turned hard left on all the stuff you're talking about several years ago. I was, I was right. done with the conferences where people would go see the man or woman of God who had the special anointing, and if they prayed, something would happen. And I know what you're trying to say. We're trying to be balanced. Mm-hmm. Like some people do carry an anointing when they pray. It mm-hmm. seems like something happens. But I would say after doing all those conferences and going to all those places and seeking after a lot of that within that camp and movement that I've been a part of, I didn't see as much as I would see, uh, or I, I would hear about. People would say all these things would happen, but you didn't really ever see them as much as you did uh, hear about them. So it isn't to say that it doesn't happen. It is just to mm-hmm. say that, like, as you as you are clearly outlining, if people would just simply do what Jesus said and believe what Jesus laid out and focus on what Jesus called us to, the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit will come. Um, I actually do think when you started out by saying that we need to be concerned because the charismatic Pentecostal movement can be porous to false doctrine because they have a wrong emphasis. So it doesn't start out like, hey, I'm going to start teaching this false doctrine, I'm not going to start teaching Gnosticism, where I Mm -hmm. devalue you know, some of the things that are spiritual that look natural by emphasizing these lofty spiritual things. It doesn't start out, I'm going to teach Gnosticism. It starts out with people maybe having an encounter, getting excited, and then wanting everybody to hear about it. And so now they're trying to teach a masterclass on how to do these things, how to manifest miracles, how to... all that stuff. And the scriptures do warn. There's a lot of warning against... Mm -hmm going after angels and mm-hmm. making much yeah. of these things. There are many warnings about right. this, and so when people pursue it, they are porous to the work of the enemy because the enemy gets mm-hmm. into those places because the emphasis yeah. is wrong. And so I'm with you on this, and I do I do understand the fact that some... We, need, we do want supernatural activity. We do want yeah. God to move. But if our emphasis is wrong, people fall into false doctrine. So that's a deep concern I have, and it comes with another concern. I've I've been concerned for the Pentecostal Church for a long time when it comes to biblical literacy and mm-hmm. precise doctrine, and I don't mean perfect doctrine because we're all growing in our knowing, but when people actually don't know where the Bible comes from or they can't outline some of the ho- truths that we hold dear, they don't they don't know how to explain even a basic level of the Trinity. They don't have a real understanding of the fall and what you're saying is the gospel and redemption and salvation mm-hmm. and repentance and you know it's easy believism and what is really discipleship and we have a lot of these it shows up John in phrases this is like I'm right. just going to throw out some phrases you can push back on yeah. me if you feel mm-hmm. differently but like Go here's a it. phrase here's a phrase that I hate and I hear it in the mm-hmm. Pentecostal church uh, and maybe kind of like the quasi-evangelical that's open church, okay? So I don't know how yeah. I'd label it all. But I hear things like, you can belong before you believe. Mm-hmm. Now, I just don't... I don't believe any of that at all. You cannot right. belong in the body of Christ before you believe. Right. Theologically, right. that doctrine is false. Yeah. 
entrance you can in, come to Jesus. our church. Yeah. You can come to our church before you believe, if that's what we mean. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. You can be around us. You can attend our Bible study. You can go to our class. You can come to church service. But you cannot belong in the body of Christ. You will not understand the Bible. You will not repent of your sin. You will not jump into baptism waters. You will not understand what we're talking about when you attend yeah. our gathering. You will not open your Bible with great conviction and say, oh, right. I want to do what this is saying. Come you, on. you don't belong to the family. The well, family values are not yours until you actually believe. I understand what they're trying to say, but we need to stop saying dumb stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it should be belong before you behave in the sense that you can... You know, you can belong in Christ and to the church while you're still growing as a new believer and, you know, learning to behave and walk out the Christian life is is a process of submission and discipleship and taking up your cross and following him. So, but you don't, there's, yeah, we've said things like, oh, belong before you believe, you belong here, um, kind of stuff. And then it's like, we're just trying well, to be inclusive. Just we're say, to be inclusive. we're and glad you're, you're welcome, here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, don't make a come. new doctrine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> We don't see anywhere where Jesus brought this. It's interesting. I mean, I I could be corrected. I might be wrong. You could correct me right now. Um, Jesus definitely went and sat with sinners and was accused of being a publican and a drunkard. But was was there any time that he took the sinners into the times with his disciples to have them sit with them and say, "Hey, you're welcome at my table here with my disciples." I don't. I don't. I'm not saying he never did. I'm not saying he would like. I think his heart was so warm and welcoming that he, in a sense, if someone was around that wanted to eat with them, I'm not saying he that he wouldn't eat with them, but I started really trying to rack my brain mm. and think of, is there any times in the gospel, like he goes to them, he's incarnational, and he has no problem rubbing shoulders with, with you know, sinners, but, because um, I've even preached things like, you know, well, you, anyone's welcome at Jesus' table, but Jesus usually went to the sinner's table, actually, and sat with them, Um and maybe there was some times that I can't recall off the top of my head where he did invite them to his table, um, but it seemed like he usually went to theirs as as a of course as God incarnate. <laughs> uh, we would look, you know, for us that would be like going as a missionary um, to sit with people that you know maybe wouldn't come to our church. We'd go to them in the spirit and love of Christ to help you know share share Christ with them. Um, but no, I'm with you. We say a lot of things. I think our Pentecostal version of that is kind of like if people are. You know, an excess could be that if people are experiencing healing or getting blasted, I mean, we say things like that in some of our circles that other people be like, what on earth are they talking about? Blasted, (laughs) whacked, zapped. I mean, there is a power dimension to the Holy Spirit where even the Bible uses things like fire, shaking, earthquakes, wind, um, heavenly sounds to describe the work of the Spirit. Of course, the Spirit is not the fire or the wind, but just around his activity in the Bible, there is this like language of phenomenon, like natural phenomenon or power things, um, energy things, electricity kind of things, right, that are de- are a descriptor of his type of work. So I think part of that is because when he does come in power, there's that, it's until you've experienced it, it's hard to put descriptors just trying on it, but to, yeah, once you trying experience to, trying it, describe, you're trying to yeah. Yeah, describe. But I think sometimes that's kind of our belong thing is like, well, that person's getting really touched, really blessed, really blasted, really, you know. Um, and it's kind of like, well, are they believing in Jesus? Are they turning from their sin? Are they Do, so? Know, here's a criticism of the scriptures. Here's yeah. a criticism of the Pentecostal Charismatic Church that we don't preach. Yeah. We don't preach repentance from mm-hmm. our sin and turning to Jesus. Like, we're okay with people slipping up their hands in church, saying, I believe, right. 
Uh, is that a fair criticism yeah. in your mind? I mean, we don't I preach like it, real repentance or, yeah. attached to the water I, baptism, I, which represents, right. uh, you know, is that true? Right. I mean, I think historically Pentecostals actually were really strong in the message of repentance. If you look at like the early yeah in the in the history like in the 1900s, you're trying to be but, fair. Yeah, you're probably, trying to be too nice, John. Uh, yeah. now, what about today? No. <laughs> right. No, I think we've drifted away from it. I think that's a, I think it's pretty valid. I think we become more prosperity success focused. But I I mean I think that's probably true of the entire American evangelical church, not yes. just the Pentecostals. Um, but yeah, I mean I think that we have gotten away from preaching repentance. Um, I think we've been more on a feel good kind of thing. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I think people need to feel good when times are hard and times are bad. They need the refreshing of the spirit, but not at the expense of the message of repentance. Cause how can you really be refreshed if you don't repent and, you know, yield to the Lord Jesus? Right. I mean, cause I think people, yeah. you know, again, Pentecostal charismatic does include a lot of these community churches that are, you know, kind of open to the things of the spirit and they're not like right. mainline denomination where right. they have a way of catechizing people and discipling them specifically mm-hmm. and all that kind of, you know, so mm-hmm. I think you know, it's not just repentance, but I do think like the whole idea of salvation is not, I mean, w- w- when we're on vacation, we'll attend some churches and whatnot and I'm always pretty right. shocked by what flies in some of this and what's being sold. And and, and it's very unfortunate because like, although we don't need people to grovel and cry at the altar, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily equal true repentance and transformation and change, at the same Mm -hmm. time, I do think, you know, when you just think, for for example, when you just think about people coming to Christ in other countries, if you're a Muslim and you come out of that world and into Christ, you know, you could be ostracized. So baptism is right. super weighty. Like you don't just jump right. into the waters and be like, wow, baptize me, because it's sort of like this Western mm-hmm. ritual that like I kind of should do it. It's like very serious. Like I'm no longer yeah. that and I am now this. Right. And that's always a wake-up call for me because I'm like, wow, you know, um, a friend of mine was just talking to me recently and he said that there's a person uh, that he's been ministering to and um, there's a lesbian couple that he's been ministering to, and they're married, and uh, they become part of the church, you know, as they're, well, they're coming, and then um, now they want to get more involved. And so the issue of baptism came up, and he had to kind of risk his relationship with them by saying, I cannot baptize you unless you can explain to me what repentance looks like. So he's now walking them through a conversation about breaking up their marriage, they have kids together, and what that looks like, and how does the church come alongside them, which I think, you know, such an important topic, because you can't just tell somebody to do something, he's actually really wanting to help, and a very important thing, but like, he literally said, I actually was faced with a situation where I realized that like, maybe I'm putting baptism onto them stronger than I have for other people. And I said, well, part of it's because they're out, they're living something out loud yeah. in front of everyone that's super clear, whereas others will hold back and you don't know everything that's going on in their life. But I said, but I was telling him, it does actually introduce a concept that maybe it is that it's super right. easy for us to just jump into like yeah. the ritual without the reality. And that totally. now it's real because you have this lesbian couple. Well, shouldn't it have been before? Mm-hmm. And I think he, as he was sh- kind of walking through that, he kind of woke up a little bit to right. the reality of what we're actually introducing people yeah, to and inviting no. them to. I, no, it's so important. I mean, I think there's a... I mean, I'm wrestling with that a little bit myself, too, like how strict to make baptism requirements. Um, mm-hmm. And I know there's a big trend, and I'm going to... I don't know if I'm offend anybody, but oh well. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but there's a big trend of like hype. You're like, it's on your platform, Ben. Don't worry about it. (laughs) But there's a big, yeah, there's a big emphasis on hype baptisms right now. And I mean, part of me feels that draw of like, yeah, I mean, the spirit could move somebody to surrender to Christ and that could be so exciting. And it's, I mean, it's great social media footage to have like dozens of people in a church service. Like we didn't even know we were getting baptized today. And like, we just had to do it. Um, you know, uh, but like historically the church wrestled with this, I think in the first you know, century, even after Jesus and the apostles, after the scriptures were written, the early church started like making really strict requirements. You had to become a catechumen, which meant you were getting catechized, you're getting instructed in the faith. And you'd have to like be a catechumen for like a year or two to like prove your conversion to Christ. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even really consider you saved in some ways till you were baptized, but you were like a candidate for baptism and salvation <laughs> by showing your sincerity, understanding the doctrine. There was an old discipleship document called the Didache, and there's a little uh, discrepancy on what when that might have exactly been written, but there was some understanding that you had to understand some of the basics of the faith and living a Christian lifestyle out um, t- before you could get baptized. And in the New Testament, I, you see that they were baptized pretty quickly upon their conversion and repentance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I lean t- more towards, you know, the Bible, of course, is to me, is more authoritative than church history. Yeah, exactly. But I just think it's interesting that the history of the church, they they did wrestle with this. And I think you're totally right in the sense that we've got to call people to repentance, and it's it's costly to follow Jesus. You're giving up your life. You're He has delivered us through the cross, through, from the dominion of sin and death. He has come and conquered sin and death and given us new life. And so we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. So there there is a change of kingdoms. There's a change of lifestyles. There's a change of lords. We're not under the lordship of sin, death, and the devil. We're now under the lordship of Jesus. And that has to express itself. Our salvation doesn't come in how we try to change our life, but the fruit that he has taken residence in our in our spirit and as the Lord of our of our heart of our life is that there is a, a changed life, and so we need to call people to that to that to that changed life. And I think absolutely we've Pentecostals mm-hmm. have hyphenated the gospel a lot, so it's like the prosperity gospel. I mean, we don't call it the success gospel, but a lot of people kind of preach that the positive gospel, uh, the healing gospel, the social gospel, the social gospel. So yeah. each movement, I, I think, whenever we hyphenate things and we quit making it about Jesus, and not just like believing in Jesus in a general sense, but the Jesus of the Scriptures who bids you to come and die and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Him and let His life be formed in you, so that you know you are enduring suffering for him and you are experiencing glory Mm -hmm. and the miraculous for him so that in all things you're conformed more to his image that's you know whenever we lose that as the central focus and it becomes more about all these other about the healing and the social work and the the you know taking care of our finances well which are all aspects of biblical teaching um and even even of a christ-centered life they could all be aspects of that but when they become the main emphasis then I think we get out of whack. So, so lack of biblical literacy, mm-hmm. lack of precision in doctrine. Mm-hmm. A lot of Pentecostal churches. If, if you're a pastor or a leader and you're watching this, like I just, I'm just asking mm-hmm. the question: Do we teach doctrine anymore? Do we teach um, mm-hmm. these things so that our people? Obviously, teaching isn't the only element of discipleship, right? There's more to it than right. that. But teaching is a fundamental element of what we do. Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I commanded. So there's a teaching aspect that is a massive part of discipleship. So I, I'm just throwing that out there. I do think that um, 
that there's a crit- criticism about biblical teaching, doctrine, doctrinal precision, biblical literacy. I do think that the second thing, John, that I think yeah. is an issue is I'm calling it emotionalism, okay? Okay. But I do think hype, manipulation, coercion, um, and I could wrap all that in falsehood, I think is not doesn't fully characterize the Pentecostal Charismatic Church, but it certainly is welcome in a lot of what is called that today, and it's it's yeah. grown considerably. And I think that it caters to pseudo-salvation, it caters to superficiality, yeah. it caters to... And I've, mm-hmm. I've said this for years, and I know it doesn't sound awesome, and so forgive me for right. <laughs> to the, li- the listeners for where like it might seem stark, but I do think that the Pentecostal Charismatic Church has been a place and a people where many who are emotionally broken and stay in their emotional brokenness can just can find their place. And what I mean is, is yeah. that I want people to get free, I want people to get healed, I want people to find life, I want people to grow yeah. and become disciples, all of that. But unfortunately, I do think when you have a superficial environment that is a little bit more of a a pre-rally to a football game than it is, like you just said, come and die, it's more of a... Um, you know, a premier grand opening to the greatest movie that, you know, has been drummed up for the last six months, like everything fresh and new is always happening at our church. And that's kind of the model is, is we, we gather around either one specific person that's really popular or hypes and styles and all that. I mean, it's, it's gone really far today. It's bad. Yeah. You know? Well, what do you, how do you, I mean, do you think that you've had a key significant spiritual breakthrough or moment of like clear growth or like, you know, a God encounter. I don't know what else to call it exactly, but some moment in God that wasn't emotional. I think my emotions were always engaged. The problem that I have is is that I've also had a lot of moments where I've been at churches where people are Uh, um, pushing that to get emotional. What would emotional manipulation look like, you think, in our services that we should watch out for? I think that... In our ministries. Well, I think pastors have to be honest with what they want out mm-hmm. of a service. I do. I think yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think if if we know what we're actually pastors, leaders, churches mm-hmm. need to un, like we we can't just think about metrics. Like how many mm-hmm. people raise their hand in response to the gospel, mm-hmm. in response to my message today. I, I think that we have sometimes these expectations and these metrics that we're trying to put up. And I think we just had need to back down a little bit in order to let the Holy Spirit do His work. So I do mm-hmm. think, like, for example, what, what, if I were to be practical about this, what do I see? I think that one thing I notice happening, and I think is a temptation for all of us, is mm-hmm. to make our church the best church. And so it's the most exciting thing is happening here in this environment. Where God's really moving. <laughs> Revival's happening because we're here. I remember this one guy used to travel and and come into the Northwest, and every time we visited him the first time, and I didn't really know who he was, so it was like there was a lot of hype around him, so we went, and I caught discernment on it, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I mean, I see some of that stuff in our stuff too, so I was like, okay, well, yeah. uh, the second time it was really clear. He started using language like, revival is happening, and he didn't say, because we're here, but it was implied. We're here, right. so revival is happening. Right. We're doing this conference, so revival is happening. And what it does do is it dismisses everything that all the rest of us are doing and all the rest of the local churches are doing and all the f- 
fathers and mothers of the faith that have been sowing and pouring and praying and all the church, the whole church in the entire region, it just dismisses. And so because there's this, God's doing this through us, through, through this moment, through this conference, through this thing, it starts to like appeal to people's emotions and then they want to get yeah. in on it. So now this is a sweet time to take an offering. This is a right. sweet time to invite you to my masterclass. Now it sets me up for like, oh, and I have the secret that nobody's ever heard. I'm going to teach you the 10 right. secrets to deliverance that you did mm -hmm. not know about. And that's why thousands of people are getting delivered through my ministry. So they've mm -hmm. set themselves apart instead of Christ apart. They've set their ministry yeah. apart instead of the scriptures, which we all have, we're all accountable to. We all have, as we yeah. came, as we walked away, they're not honoring what do God's think, done and what he's doing. Okay. Okay. So do you think that um, some things, I mean, because I know some people would watch my ministry and be like, oh, John's a hype guy um, yep. because yep. I'm passionate and I love, I love to, I mean, I want people in tears. I want to see the Holy Spirit move so that their life is changed and they have a life changing encounter with God. And I don't, mm -hmm. I don't care what it looks like on the outside, but I'm not, I'm not preaching for or saying you're going to do this or I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching Jesus and repentance and I'm teaching on scriptures and on purity and on holiness and on prayer and on a Christ centered, a, a Christ formed life, um, you know, primarily really. And so anyway, um, but do you think, it comes down to like even motives or even like some things could look outwardly similar, but it could, it could be the way in which somebody's phrasing certain things that might be a small nuance. Um, Cause I know that you want to see people baptized in the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. You want to see people experience God. And you know that at times that might mean like they cry or they can't stay on their feet or um, you know, they, they have a prophetic vision and something supernatural takes place and you would love that and welcome that while also wanting to steer from the excess. So do you think there's, do you think a lot of it comes down to the, to the motive of people's heart or mm -hmm. the level of purity in a sense of their intentions as they minister and yeah, create I think that there's environment? I think it's a good question. Cause I think there's styles, mm -hmm. right? Like some people are loud yeah. and that's fine. And some people are quieter. Mm -hmm. Some people preach and proclaim, right. some people teach and explain. I think there's differences in, in, in the way that mm -hmm. people steward ministry. However, I do think that motive is a factor. I do think people's hearts are a factor. I do think that I do think people's theology is a factor. Like, what do you believe mm -hmm. is, is God honoring and is actually supposed to happen in the work of the local church? I actually think like we start there. Like, what is that? What is this supposed to happen? I also think understanding people. Like, for example, like here's another side of the question. Knowing that there's introverts and extroverts, knowing that some people have to think deeply and consider and examine themselves and really weigh out what is being presented versus people that just jump into the river and go, woohoo! So yeah, sometimes the right, first people right. to raise their hands and say yes and amen are, this, are the same people going home addicted to pornography tonight, and there's really going to yeah. be no change in their life whatsoever. So I'm just trying to reconcile the fact that we have um, a haven that appeals to the emotions of people which in a sense, we all have emotions and we want them to be healthy. But my question is, is it healthy to appeal to the emotions of people rather than also to the holistic, of a per the holistic nature of right. a person where I'm appealing to, we're trying to teach the scriptures, we're trying to invite people into sacrifice. We're trying to, I mean, if it's just emotion, that's what I'm saying, emotionalism, right. not emotions. Yes. So right. my point is that the style aside, uh, some people uh, yell when they preach, some people don't. I don't care about any of that. Right. What I right. do care about is what people say, the words that they say, 
the motives mm-hmm. that they have, and That's the good. outcomes that they're looking for. What are those about? Because mm-hmm. for me, when I see um, the ministry gathered around one person, I'm concerned. When I hear people talk about revival in a way where it's dismissive of others and it's exalting of self, or it's exalting Mm -hmm. of one church and it's dismissive of the other churches. So for example, I remember this, like I remember in my days, Ben, have you been emotional, uh, emotionalistic? Mm -hmm. Have you had emotive, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, inclinations? Yes. Okay, let me tell myself then, instead of just like, you know, bash everyone else, which is easy to do. I was when I was a youth pastor at a church, I was preaching and I was talking about prayer and we were actually walking the city kind of the Jericho style. We were nice. making proclamations, declarations, prophetic declarations. The Lord gave us words and so we were like mm-hmm. making these like heavy declarations like we declare that there will be no the drugs in this city will dry up. Like we were saying crazy stuff, you yeah. know, we were just in Jesus yeah. name. And we believed it. And here's the thing I was leading a meeting on Monday night. I think I was 22 years old, and this uh, these guys walk in, and they were they were new to our group. I'd never seen them before, and I got into a conversation with them. I think one of them was trying to steal stuff from us, whatever. But anyways, one of the guys actually out of his mouth. This is like within the same week or two that we're praying and making these declarations. Says, "Yeah, man, we can't get any." drugs, they all dried up, and they didn't know I was a youth pastor, nor did they uh-huh. have like a understanding yeah. of that. So they're kind of looking at me like to maybe help them with their problem, and I'm like, yeah, this is the <laughs> wrong person, wrong place. Right. But anyway, so we started seeing some of that come to pass, and it was really powerful, and the Lord is giving visions uh-huh. and dreams and manifestations yeah. that were uh, signs and wonders that were affirming that our prayer and intercession mm-hmm. was in the right place, like this is, mm-hmm. this is me. So very powerful. So on Sunday, I get to preach. You know, our senior pastor says, your turn to preach. So I'm like feeling it, you know. I'm, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm trying to get everybody in the prayer room, and I'm pushing and pulling, and I'm yeah. doing everything like, you don't understand. You don't understand. God is moving, <laughs> man. Like this. You is don't that. even know. You don't even know. Like, And you don't know because you're not in the prayer room, you know. And I'm pulling on every emotion, yeah. and, then, and then that's not working. So I'm pushing with every ounce of strength. So I'm pulling and pushing and I'm pulling and pushing because my outcome is I want to get everybody into the prayer room, you know, and, and is yeah. that wrong? No, no, no. But ha- am I doing it the right way? No, I'm not doing it the right way, yeah. okay? Because gotcha. like yeah. you get done on the microphone and you're not saying the same things to people personally, which is super awkward yeah. and I don't do that. Uh, I try. Right. So anyways, okay, so listen to this. No. Well, My emotional yeah. plea, John, listen, my emotional plea, yeah. I'm pushing, pulling, whatever in, in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And after the service, I walk over to the right of the sanctuary that, where we were, and this guy walks up to me. He was new to the church, and he, he walks up, and he's really calm. And I was super, I was like real passionate, just going after yeah, it, you know, right. the whole thing. And he goes, hey, Ben, uh, just want to say, love your passion. Really, uh, really good to hear you this morning and, and, uh-huh. and what the Lord's doing. And, and he said, I just want you to know, by the way, that... Uh, it's great to hear the testimonies of God moving and how you guys are praying, but he said, I just want you to know that uh, there's a large amount of people that have been praying in this city for a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. And he just kind of, without saying it, he kind of said, welcome to the club, Right. But, but don't forget where you, you know what I mean? And so Come on. My, my outcome was good. I wanted people to pray, yeah. but I was using 
-hmm. Like, we have the secret. We're making these declarations. I was almost turning it into a formula because we've Uh seen like very little success and I was making that so much. So so a a wise person walked up to me and said, hey, uh, glad you're doing that. Welcome to the party. But this has been going on for a long time, so just keep it up, you know? Hey, that and we all could share from our blooper reel, uh, myself included, <laughs> um, right? But I, I think what you're highlighting actually is another weakness of the Pentecostal charismatic movement because we believe that people can have author- spiritual authority and exercise gifts and sometimes can kind of lead the way as a forerunner, if you will, or somebody that kind of like perseveres mm-hmm. and it becomes more excellent. Um, we don't simply have people like you asking these questions of us, like, are we getting too emotional? Are our prophetic words sound? Are they coming to pass? Is our, I think we are afraid of actually examining ourselves and having friends, mentors, others that call us to account. So, I mean, I just feel like the, even as you're asking these questions, like, hey, Lord, you examine my life. Like, we're seeing a mm-hmm. lot of, I'm seeing... In the last 14 months in our church, I'm seeing more tears, shaking, trembling, demons coming out. Um, I don't know if we've seen the most healings we've ever seen in our church's 30-some year history, but we're seeing uh, them rise again. We're seeing a lot of activity that, so some would look kind of like wild or hypey maybe, um, but um, anyway, but I believe they're genuine God encounters, but it's also important for me to hear like, Lord, let this be like of your spirit and mm-hmm. your doing and not my making it happen. I mean, I, I do think as we lead services, we have to respond to the Holy Spirit and uh, hearing hero stories from like John Wimber, uh, from some others that were under his ministry when he was alive. Um, I've learned like, oh, there are certain things I need to do to lead what's happening in the room and to also help make sure people aren't getting overly like fleshly or emotional. Like, and mm-hmm. he, he apparently would say things like, we're getting in the flesh right now to the room sometimes. We're getting mm. in the flesh. You need to dial down, dial down. Um, and so there, there, there is a way that we lead and engage in those times. It's not like we necessarily just always, I mean, when his glory comes in some parts of history, the preacher can't even get off the floor and they are in the corner uh, repenting and just say, praying that God doesn't kill them. Um, you know, <laughs> which I, I, part of me wants that and part of me doesn't, <laughs> um, you know, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just think that's one of our weaknesses is honestly, it's like people started saying things in the last few years, like believe, believe the prophets. Cause there is a scripture that where the Lord says, you know, believe my prophets or you'll come to harm basically. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. Uh, but so we should be open to the, of course, to the scriptures first, which is the prophetic book. The message of Jesus is prophetic. That's our primary guideline uh, prophetically. But then two, two prophets, even currently, we should be open to words from the Lord for rebuke and exhortation and comfort mm-hmm. and encouragement, um, correction, direction, all those things. Um, but like, what do you mean just believe anyone that says they're a prophet? Because that's almost how some people started taking it. Like somebody starts a YouTube channel, says they're a prophet, and they start throwing out all these prophecies, and you're supposed to believe them because they say they're a prophet. And if you don't, you're in rebel. And I'm like, how can you believe every prophetic word when almost, when there's like so many conflicting prophecies that are all prophesying different outcomes that can't all happen at the same time? So anyway, discernment in prophecy, teaching, experience, just asking, are we being too emotional? Anyway, well, I, so I that thinking, So that goes into another... Great, that goes into yeah. another thing, all right? So uh, so this uh, is another concern that I think we should have, not mm-hmm. not that it's everywhere in every way, but 
plenty of churches who are open to the things of the Holy Spirit, and they do have prophecy, mm-hmm. tongues, interpretation, they do have these things flowing and going, words of knowledge, whatever, and then some gifted people, folks that have an anointing and they function in that anointing in one season, people are afraid to correct them. People are afraid to bring correction yep. to things that could be excess mm-hmm. because they don't want right. to lift that anointing. They don't want to see less. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually talked to many who start, especially for those who start becoming open to the things of the Spirit, a church starts to become open because they were closed for a long time. And then they right. get worried because they have something that they usually would overcorrect, and so now they don't want to correct at all. The fact is, is that like, you know, I'm probably known as a little bit more of a correct person. Mm-hmm. But I have. I mean, I've had people in church services, and they start swinging around in worship, and they don't care about anybody else around them, and Mm -hmm. they're just doing their thing. I don't care if people dance. I don't care if people jump. I don't care. But that's all fine. But when somebody's like whips out a flag and starts flagging everywhere, and they didn't Mm -hmm. come and talk to us first about it, the answer is no. And so I've corrected a handful of people that have done that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and then I've had one lady be like, hey, I thought we were a Pentecostal church. And I said, we are a Pentecostal church, but Pentecostal isn't defined by you waving a flag in everyone's face without talking to the elders of the yeah. church first. Right. So you're the right. one that has the wrong understanding of it. Am I anti-flags? No, I'm just anti-flags yeah. in my church. Anyways, I'm just saying, right. but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <It's> I'm... <laughs> like... Well, yeah, no, you it, can go it, do that at John's church. He's, he's really... Yeah, he right. really loves the flags. He, he, like, he loves we, the flags. We, they wave the American well, flag, I guess. That's we what they are, do. Yeah. <laughs> not exactly. But uh, these are not all fault. These are not all true statements. I'm not calling Ben a liar, but... He's yeah, so one okay. side has the so, red, they have the white, uh, they have the blue, and yes, then another person comes right. by with the star. Is that what you do? I mean, we are actually looking at incorporating some flag and dance, but as like a part of our worship team, you know, like a part of like, because like... Not like a rando person that walks in and they could just fly. I mean, some people have talked to us. I mean, I've been hitting, I don't know, maybe you were standing next to me. uh, Maybe it was one of my other friends. I've been hitting the flag in the face with the flag and, and been like, that's what you, then the flag, you're literally like, that's what you get for sitting in the front row. Like, oh, Lord. Oh, that they Lord. hit me with a flag. Oh. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me right now? Oh, uh, Lord. And then, or, you know, just asking people like, hey, actually, we're, you know, we're asking you not to flag here right now. I'm backsliding right now. In the back John. at a conference oh. or something like that. But they where they're like, literally like, apparently you don't want revival to happen because revival is dependent on your flag waving at this exact <laughs> geographic not just in the same building or the same piece of property, but like you got to stand on this piece of carpet in this sanctuary or else, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's all, you know, going to fall apart, you know? And, um, anyway, yeah, we, we have, you know, it's like the, I don't know if anybody's seen such a powerful, like short video they made of, uh, an old David Wilkerson sermon, uh, the call to anguish, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, there's no more, there's a hatred for correction, a hatred for reproof. Entertainment has taken over the house of God, you know, but it's just like, and I just was showing this to some people I'm mentoring and preaching. And, you know, it was just like, man, it just hit me. I'm like, yeah, people, we we don't want to be corrected. We don't want to be questioned even. And I, I mean, obviously there's like a, a malicious spirit from heresy hunters or people that are just very critical and dishonoring mm-hmm. of pastors um, that assume the worst. Um, but we are we we've got to be open to correction and i think like you want to prophesy to my church and you don't want to be you want all the privileges of being able to speak in front of people but none of the accountability like it just doesn't it's just not reality like you you know you can't go into a business and like do something actively in that business that's destructive to that business without the permission of the owners of that business and just think that you're not going to have someone <laughs> confront you, but people walk into the church or to a prayer meeting and they think 
that like they have a kind of a God-given right to go on a tirade. And that's not what we're saying, of course. Um, but we do, as pastors and leaders, we do need to be, we have need to have our, the Lord and even others, brothers, mentors, elders, uh, other believers that have, uh, you know, a respectable reputation examining our practices and mm-hmm. our doctrine and keeping us, you know, uh, keeping us on course. Because so part, of, part of what I think, yeah. ha- part of what, John, what I think this is what I think happens is because, so my disposition is I want, I've always wanted more of the work of the Spirit, period. I always right. want, you Come know, I don't, I don't want less prophecy. Yeah. I want more prophecy. I don't want less people to speak in tongues. I want more people to speak in tongues. Me I don't want too. Less miracles. 100%. I want more. Uh-huh. And I've and I just recognize that if you just look in not church history but just our church history, mm-hmm. like what about yeah. I've known you for twenty years, so or mm-hmm. something like that, maybe eighteen. But but in the life yeah. that I've lived in Christ, I have watched a lot of Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches. The stuff that I've seen not go well, mm-hmm. not end well. I can tell even if I'm not in the know, even if I'm not in the inner mm-hmm. circle, I can tell there's a lack of real correction or a lack of self-awareness, yeah. which also means when you don't, or you're not aware of mm-hmm. how this is infecting right. or affecting the body, you, you're certainly not receiving the correction. I don't mean criticism. There are a lot of critics. Uh-huh. I don't care about all yeah, that. that's good. But internal... Good distinction. Internal uh, correction. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 3.16, um, all scriptures God breathed and it's useful for uh, correction yep, and training in righteousness. That's what it says, correction. Yep. So like the Bible, <laughs> mm-hmm. you got to use the Bible for that too. And then uh-huh. training in righteousness, right? So the man or woman of God yeah. may be adequately equipped for every good work. Yes, absolutely. It's the sub- But I've been asked before, like, hey, Ben, you've discipled a bunch of people. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Maybe my background is extensive mm-hmm. or it's or it's limited. Okay, but whatever it is, I have been asked how what is one of the most important things in your mind to discipleship? And I'll tell you right now, it's correction. It's correction. Mm-hmm. Anybody can put their hand on your back and say great job. And that needs to happen. Affirmation needs to happen, especially in an unparented sure. generation where they haven't mm-hmm. had mom and dad say I love you, you've done a great job, I'm proud of you. For sure, yeah. affirmation is uh-huh. important. Equally as important mm-hmm. is correction. And what I don't mean by correction is punishment. It's not punitive. It's not angry. It's not mean. It's not mad. I'm talking about saying, "Hey, in a refining nature, here's some things that we need to do differently so that we can actually produce what we're after. See, that kind of voice is deeply missing in discipleship. It's deeply missing in the charismatic Pentecostal church in some ways, in some areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we shouldn't fear that, but we should actually refine it to the degree that it would be useful, beneficial, helpful in our circles so that what we... I call it preserving the prophetic or preserving spiritual Mm -hmm. gifts. You'll never have a pure prophetic ministry if you can't correct the prophetic ministry that's a little off base. You have to preserve it. You have to prune it. You have to keep it clean. Mm -hmm. And so... Because like you, I want the fruit of the prophetic. I don't want sugar pills, you know. Hey, God says yeah. you're amazing, and you always have been. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, right. thank you. You too, God says. You know, I mean, it's like, what, what, are, yeah. we do, what are we doing here? <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. God says you're nice, and your smile is wonderful. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. everybody loves to hear they're awesome, yeah. and they're going to be fruitful and abound, but nobody wants to hear like, hey, the Lord says that you mm-hmm. need to make this adjustment. And if you do, if you're willing to take this correction, you can double the prophecies that you've had on your life and see things come to pass at a rate right. that you couldn't even imagine. Amen. You know, So this is the kind of stuff that um, 
you know, kind of drives me crazy. Now, I think we've talked a lot about, I have at least, about the things that like I don't, because I got a lot more. I don't want to yeah. go there. But oh, I know. We let me, let me cap it. Let me cap yeah. it a little bit by saying, because I, I definitely want to be clear, is that like, again, I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord, I got saved by, through a supernatural encounter with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had the gospel shared with me a few times, and my parents were Christians, of mm-hmm. course, and so I kind of had an, I had an understanding of the gospel, I just didn't yield to it. But then I had a supernatural encounter one night, which really was that invitation and introduction to Jesus in, in a real way, and, and I gave my life to him. So I, was, I feel like I was born into Pentecost. Like, that's how... Yeah. My born again experience is a dramatic encounter with God, and so right. when that's happened to you, you you're cut from that cloth. You can't help it. Yeah. It's just what you are. Yeah. So I am an advocate of this, and what has discouraged me in my uh, mm-hmm. in my journey of Je- following Jesus has been that I'm I want to be so word and spirit, and I have found it's either spirit mm-hmm. and very little word, or too much, mm-hmm. or so, you say too much word, but it's word but very little spirit. And I and I'm I think advocating for this. Not being Come in on. the middle, but being having right. both at an increase. As much as you can. Exactly. <laughs> like we're increasing in both, not ashamed. We're going after uh-huh. it and we don't care how we're interpreted because these are two values Come that on. like we'll die for. We have yeah. to have the ministry, Amen. the power, the life of the spirit, or we will not be able to actually do what That's the right. Now you're preaching, brother. And okay. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start speaking in tongues right now. All right. Anyways. Um, I'll interpret. I know. Be legal. Uh, <laughs> but but so just to switch gears before we you know, sign off is yeah. that the important, uh, the importance and the beauty of being Pentecostal and charismatic. Again, not as a brand, yeah. not as a better than right. or more than, but simply like what I do value. Just, just as a simple thing, mm-hmm. I value and believe that people need to genuinely encounter uh, the person of Christ, the the gospel of Jesus, the power of God through yeah. the through the, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. I want. I long for. I look for. I pray for that for my kids. I want my kids um, right. to experience the real mm-hmm. living Christ through the Holy Spirit. This is not just a. Yep. I don't want them to have an intellectual relationship with God. That's that's not enough, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And. Um, so I long for that. I know you do. We've we've prayed mm. for that. We've we've yeah. we've uh, I, we, we've been together, and I've had dramatic mm. encounters with the Lord. Yep. I, ha- I had one at a conference we were at one time, and mm. and mm-hmm. and I was so deeply touched by the Lord, and He showed me. Um, mm. He actually made the Scripture come to life. For God so loved the world. I remember mm-hmm. when um, yeah. it was like imprinted on my spirit, like for God right. so loved the world, and He gave me what He showed me was like a drop of of that living water of what it's like to yeah. to feel and to have mm-hmm. God so love the like so love the world and he was like that's all you can contain i can only give you a drop and i, I re, i've had these and i long for people yep. to experience the lord like this mm-hmm. and i realize they can be encounter chasers instead yep. of bible readers you know they can be encounter yeah. chasers instead of um, disciplined followers of Jesus who are willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. and suffer for His glory and His namesake, mm-hmm. but I do think there's a place where we can say there's both. Though you can you can have yeah. both, you can have right. both. And so, what is one of the things when we talk yeah. about something like this, John? That you, I want everyone to encounter the Holy Spirit powerfully and love Jesus, yeah. um, love Jesus passionately. So, what what is like a thing that rises? That what do you want? Yeah. To see happen as yeah, a Pentecostal mean, charismatic pastor. I think we should seek God encounters, but not not apart from our own 
submission Mm -hmm. and obedience and yieldedness to Christ by daily reading his word, daily taking up our cross, Mm -hmm. denying ourselves, spending time in prayer. I think it becomes a problem to seek encounters when you just want an an experience or an emotional feeling and you don't want to change or grow Mm -hmm. or allow God to deal with the difficult areas of your life where you're going to surrender. You know, um, you're trying to live vicariously through other people's breakthrough that someone else has a ministry. So you go from meeting to meeting. And I mean, but then there's also, I do, I do travel, especially in this last season, I feel like I'm supposed to travel to have people lay hands on me and to receive as much as I can. Cause I realize I can't just minister out of a dry place. I need, I need others. I'm not, I don't have it all. And so I need mm-hmm. other people to pray for me, help me, encourage me, can, you know, convict me, exhort, exhort me, um, through their teaching, their ministry, their counsel. Um, so I, I think it's, um, I think we need encounters with God to change the world. We need to encounter the God of the Bible. The God we encounter is the God of the scriptures. If we have spiritual encounters and we don't know the scriptures, we that's where we're open to deception. Mm-hmm. And uh and so we I, I you know, I've had these encounters. I think Paul in 1st and 2nd Timothy, Paul talks about fighting, you know, 1st Timothy 1, um, 18, I believe it is, is, you know, Paul's like, fight the good, fight according to the prophecies that were previously spoken over you. So, like, you're supposed to, like, get the prophecies and fight with them and help, you know, fulfill your calling with them and break discouragement and keep your focus on what God's confirmed, not just like what anybody has maybe ever told you that might be prophetic, but, you know, these confirmed substantive words um, that you know are the Lord, that you're to fight with these. And then in 2 Timothy 1, he talks about, uh, you know, the famous verse is, God has not given us a spirit of fear or intimidation, but of power, love, and a sound mind, or of self-discipline. Um, but in that context, he also says, Timothy, stir up the gifts of God, fan, fan into flame, and stir up the gifts of God that were in you through the laying on of my hands or the laying on of the hands of the elders, and there's this sense that that Timothy had this experience of impartation, mm-hmm. if that's that's what I would call it, um, whatever you want to call it, where people had laid hands on him, and he had this he had this fire in his life as a result of them praying mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. He had a spiritual encounter. The fire wasn't from the people; it was from God. But it was through this ministry of the body of elders ministering to Timothy and Paul ministering to Timothy, right? So he had this fire that he could fan into flame. So he could, It's not. I don't think it's a hype thing, but in a sense, there was this, he said, you could stir it up, you could fan, you could bring back the weight, the gravity of this encounter you've had with the supernatural phenomenon of the Holy Spirit to provoke you to obedience. And Paul says, you're gonna need the power of the Holy Spirit to suffer in that same mm-hmm. passage. So, I mean, it doesn't mean like just to have these like wild encounters, but, I think people that are suffering for Christ, not not just in, I mean, and people in other kinds of human suffering, but people that are suffering for the gospel and taking great risk to lay their lives on the line, suffering physical persecution, spiritual attack, betrayal, hardship um, for the sake of the gospel. Like we need this spiritual encounter to give us the strength and courage to not give up. And mm-hmm. so we are to have, I think, these encounters with the power of the spirit that keep us on gospel mission, that keep us suffering for his namesake, you know, uh, so that we can be sustained. Cause if we, if we don't, um, I just heard a story from my evangelist friend, Bill about Tim Keller before he passed away early in COVID. He said, if you don't have a strong, he said, if pastors, 
because they said, what, what do you, what could you say to church leaders that are, you know, in this new COVID thing when COVID was first starting, um, that you learned from being a pastor in 9-11 in New York City? And he said, if you don't spend a lot of time in prayer in the presence of God and in the scriptures to feed yourself, you won't make it for, in three, in three years, you won't be in the ministry anymore. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, that's been true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I'm only here <laughs> because of some God encounters and that's because right. of his call to obedience as I've spent time with him because it's, it's been very hard to lead the church during COVID and even in the you know post-COVID world. Um, so anyway, I think we need this power, not just Christian leaders, ministry leaders, but this is available to us and we should seek those authentic encounters with him so that we would know the scriptures more and that we could be more faithful, empowered to be more faithful in our, you know, as followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I could keep going, but that's... No, I mean, you know, what heart. what's valuable and important to us, I mean, I, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of, um, as a pastor, I, I want people to encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit, not apart from yeah. the things that are valuable, as we've talked right. about, scripture, discipleship, mm-hmm. sacrifice, prayer... Yeah. But within that context, that framework, that, mm-hmm. that it's a both and, word and spirit. I also, I want everybody, I'm like Paul, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. Right. I just wish everybody, I, I, I don't even know how Paul got away with saying that. I, I feel like if I said that, it's kind of like, or Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I love that statement. It's like, <laughs> how do mm-hmm. you, if it just, I have a staff and then I, I have a family, I have friends. Like if I just said to everybody, hey, I, guys, I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would fly very well, you know, like, oh, yeah. you do, do you? But he said it nonetheless. Right, and, right. And, uh, and I know there's a, a lot of debate today as to, like, what tongues is, and I, I, right. there's a lot of YouTube teachers out there today that are, you know, I just watched one the other day. Alan Parr, I think, was his name, and he kind of had a... Oh, he was good? It was, I don't know. It, no, he was saying that there really is no such thing as, uh, like, a prayer language. He, he The distinguishing oh. between, like, the ministry tongue, like, in other words, God gives you supernatural language in order to communicate the gospel to a language or a people that you do not know. That's all tongues is. And and so... Oh, okay. uh, and he, did, he had no framework and said the Bible doesn't yeah. have any indication of having, like, a prayer language, like, tongue of men and of angels for, like, personal benefit prayer, communicating with God, receiving mm-hmm. revelation. I don't know how you get away with some of the language right there in 1 Corinthians 14. It's very clear to me. It's a, There's a right. distinction between you and God versus you you speaking to others. You actually, that's why Pentecostals have that doctrine. But I won't go right. into the teaching of it. I just want to say, I don't believe what he said, and, um, right. and there are millions and bazillions of people across the planet that totally differ with him, just in case you guys are yeah. watching YouTube people and they oversimplified in seven minutes. That's why you can't do that. That's again why we have to have good theology. Yeah. But I want everybody to pray in the Spirit, and I want to, I want to tell you why. I want everybody to pray in the Spirit, uh, receive their prayer language and pray in the Spirit, yes. and pray in tongues, and, and speak in tongues Amen. where there's interpretation. I want that too. But I want everybody to pray in the Spirit because, like John Wimber said, mm-hmm. as it's right there in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 5, that the, you're receiving, you're praying mysteries with your Spirit. You're praying mystery. There's revelation that is happening between you and God when you're spending mm-hmm. time praying in the Spirit. And John Wimber used to say that he didn't, he couldn't explain it, but that he knew whenever he prayed in the Spirit, encouraged people to pray in the Spirit, he would receive revelation from the Holy Spirit. And I remember him saying that, and I thought, you know what, I need to pray in the Spirit more. And so I started doing that. And sure enough, not just like a formula or something mechanical, 
But as I pray in the Spirit in a disciplined way, I have noticed revelation of God's heart, whether it comes in the moment yeah. or it comes later. Um, That's good. And you can't know that without doing it, and I have found it to be true. Like, it's empirical evidence, right? Anecdotal, empirical. I mean, it's what I'm saying. But I do think that there's a small verse there that gives indication that this is true. I want people to receive revelation from the Holy Spirit, and I believe that's one way. It doesn't make you love better. It doesn't make you necessarily a better Christian. All that kind of stuff is true. Yeah. But I do believe that there's something special. There's something particular about this enablement that God gives. So I, I want, this to me is like, it's not just, oh, it's a non-negotiable. And I know some Pentecostals say that you don't have the Holy Spirit until you're baptized with the Spirit and speak in tongues. I don't yeah. agree with that. You have the Holy Spirit at salvation. Mm -hmm. But man, I do want people to pray in tongues. Like, it's not just like Amen. you have to, it's not some Come obligatory on. thing. Like, oh, everybody's got to, to prove that they're baptized in the Spirit. No, no, no. I want you to mm -hmm. pray in the Spirit. I want you to receive the richness of what comes in that yep. spiritual dialogue and development of a language that you know not, and watch God use it. Not, I know it's awkward. I know it's weird. I'm talking with a lot of people right now of how awkward it is and how babyish it sounds and how strange it can feel, and right. all of that I agree with. But I'll tell you, you get past that threshold and you realize there is something special here that kind of bypasses the way that you typically would pray and think about things in order to and transcend into just hearing and receiving, and it's childlike. It's very childlike. I want that. I, I mean, that's one thing I want as a Pentecostal charismatic. Unashamedly, I want everyone to pray in tongues. There it is, yep. John. I'm just, that's it. Amen. I, that's what I want. I'm with you. Counter the Holy Spirit Let's in the go. context of biblical discipleship, but I want you to pray in tongues, and and uh, and, and because I have found it to be um, yeah. um, so important. I want people to hear the voice of God. You yeah. know, that's what keeps me in this camp, this mm -hmm. vein of where of where I'm uh -huh. of where I'm at. Um, I know we've gone a long time. That's I don't right. know how long. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if this is like Joe Rogan long form convert four hour conversation here or not. We're not that long. <laughs> but um, why don't why don't you? I, I'd love to just have you close by sharing some oh. like more of a brief, mm -hmm. like a brief story, maybe even something mm -hmm. recently. Because uh, we have long ones, I have long okay. ones. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm hesitating on my long ones right now. But something right. brief, like a brief testimony that you've mm -hmm. seen recently that God did, that'd be cool. I, I want to hear a brief testimony about something that you've seen that God did the power through the power of the whole, power of the Holy Spirit. What happened? Um. Well, in our church, the last um, few weeks or so, uh, the things that come to my mind the quickest. Um, is uh, we just we had a service and we called people forward for healing, and it was an atmosphere of um, faith and expectation, and you know people were weeping and just really experiencing the Lord and coming forward. Anyway, a woman came forward um, for prayer during our communion time, and uh, one of our prayer team started to pray for her, and um, she said, "Oh, I have this like kind of like pinching pain in my lower back on one side," and so he started to pray and he just felt kind of stopped. And he said, I don't know. And I don't even know what he meant by this a hundred percent. I know different people mean different things by it maybe, but he said, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray about the issue of an orphan spirit. And she said, I, that resonates with me. So he said, is that okay? And he says, is it okay if I, you know, put my hand on your, on your shoulder. And so he prayed for this woman. She said, yes, you may. And so 
he started to pray for her and he just said, I just command this orphan spirit to leave in the name of Jesus. Mm. And uh, she kind of cried a little and she fell on the floor and she stayed on the floor. He went on to pray for somebody else. Well, she got off the floor and she started moving around and almost kind of like a dancing thing. Like, he's like, what happened? And she said, as soon as you prayed for me and said, leave in Jesus name, she said, you, uh, she said, I felt like cause left my back and I have Mm -hmm. no pain in my back anymore. And then last Sunday I felt like I heard in my I don't know how I how this happens, but while I'm worshiping and I'm seeking the Lord during the worship time of our service while it's actually happening, and it's like, Lord, what are you doing? How do I pay attention and be responsive to your spirit? I felt like the Lord gave me maybe two or three words of knowledge for healing and just these strong thoughts that feel like they're not my own, just in, you know, get imposed over my other thoughts. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but I get the sense that somebody had like heat and pain, inflammation in their joints. And the Lord wanted to heal. That was one of them. And so anyway, I shared that and a couple others. Um, well, there's a man that's been in our church for a long time. Um, that's a long story. He just got healed basically of Parkinson's, the doctor confirmed. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, he went to Bethel in Reading, actually. For a, he, he's, he wanted to go learn how to pray for others. He, I mean, he's prayed for others for years. He's he's uh, in his seven. Is he, he might be close to his 80s now, but I think he's in his upper 70s. Uh, anyway, he wanted to just learn how to pray for others because he goes, I want to pay the devil back for all the times agent orange um has affected he has had major health crises because he was exposed to agent orange in vietnam Mm. uh, in the vietnam war and he's come through all of them some with doctor's help and some miraculously but the doctor confirmed recent like just recently um within this calendar year um it would be very hard for me to die for a doctor to diagnose you with Parkinson's any longer. He has a slight tremor in his right hand and he just feels like that's just a reminder of all the things God healed him of. Cause he had, it's a, it's a list of symptoms that have been totally gone. So the only symptom left is slight tremoring in one hand instead of tremoring in the whole body and a whole bunch of other things anyway. Um, so pretty amazing. Um, anyway, his adult daughter came to the church and he called me this week and he said that when you spoke that word about the joints, her pain left and she's been through some difficult things and he was just so grateful uh for the ministry of the holy spirit to touch his daughter like that and uh anyway and so um that and so that really touched their home and uh, anyway some recent things that the lord has done wow amen yeah amen well hey love you man this is awesome Love you too. We're bro. concerned. We care. We uh-huh. we want to have discernment. All of that's true. We want tongues we also, and power. And we prophecy. want. <laughs> we want. But we want everything that God that God has. And we want and Jesus lifted up. May He do more and more uh, in the days ahead. So love you, man. Thanks for joining me today. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to conversations today. And again, we're just going to keep these coming at you. So. Go find us where we are on audio video platforms, like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you again soon. God bless you. 